Welcome back to Currently with Curator, where I share my latest style obsessions, all of which you can access through my shopping community, Curator. As a Climbing in Heels listener, you're getting the early scoop. We're having a winter warehouse sale and get really excited about it. Beginning tomorrow, January 20th, you can take an additional 30% off a selection of my favorites from chic accessories to skincare heroes and beyond. You have through January 31st to shop the sale, and all you have to do is use code WINTER30 at checkout to get the epic savings. So mark your calendars and check out the sale starting tomorrow at curator.com. That's C-U-R-A-T-E-U-R.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Climbing in Heels. This show is all about celebrating the most extraordinary superwomen who will be sharing their incredible journeys to the top, all while staying glamorous. Today with me, we have one of the greatest stylists of our generation, fashion powerhouse Maeve Riley. She styles some of the biggest celebrities we know and love, and I'm so excited to speak with Maeve about what influenced her sense of style, how she dealt with countless bullies and mean girls, how her styling career kicked off, and what she looks forward to working on in the future. Hi, cutie. Okay, so people obviously know you. If our listeners who don't, Maeve is one of the greatest stylists of our time, our generation, current. I you know, watched you come out into the world. And from the outside, you seem like this like tough ass bitch stylist, right? But you're not, you're actually this like mushy, sweet person. But I think it's really important to really go back a little bit to sort of like, who the hell were you before? Like meaning, did you always want to be a stylist? I'm like, there was no freaking such thing. I didn't even know when I became a stylist that there was a stylist. But you're much younger. And I think coming up in a different generation, I think now there are like textbooks on styling. There's school for styling. There's courses. There's mentorships. There's all kinds of things. So I think for me and and our listeners, I think it would be important to sort of understand a little bit, you know, like who you were and what you were thinking about and what kind of like kid teenager were you? And did you even go to school? Well, <laughs> thank you for saying all of those very nice things about me. For anyone who doesn't know, you were my like idol. Aww. You know, when I was a kid, before there was social media, because when I started, there wasn't mm-hmm. still maybe like MySpace, you know, yeah. but obviously our business wasn't there. Yep. And the only person that existed in this space was you and this and your show. So to answer your question, I definitely always knew fashion was my thing. I didn't know because of social media that this career existed, that this was an option. Mm -hmm. It was like when I went to school, it was like fashion design or be a buyer. You know, it was definitely like very there was not a lot in between. And I couldn't draw, I couldn't sew, mm-hmm. and Me I neither. wanted to, but I just, I, yeah, I don't have the like ability to do it. Mm-hmm. I was a super angsty teen. I was bullied. You know, I've talked about this ad nauseum from third grade until basically my senior year in high school, where I was sent away to rehab. I've been sober for 18 years. Next wow. month will be 18 years. Wow. Less. Good for you. And you grew up in New York Thank City, you. correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had no outlet for that bullying. You know, I'm not going to say that I became like an addict because of, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people believe it's like you're born with it or whatever, Mm -hmm. but because I was ostracized Mm -hmm. so much and I had so much, I'm also very empathic and I'm very sensitive. So when I think of what that must've been like for a little kid who didn't know how to describe like, oh, I'm taking on these feelings from other people or I'm uncomfortable and I don't know why, you know, I think it was just really heavy for me as a kid. And then you add the bullying, never feeling safe. I mean, karma, I guess is the only answer. Like it was just whatever, for whatever reason, it's like what I was supposed to learn on this Mm -hmm. plane on earth, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, and it was constant. It was, it never ended. I think because of that, I obviously got really tough. I obviously at some point learned to fight back. Uh And so it took me a really long time to shake that. And so you add in, like I end up in this industry and then you add in being like a young woman without an agent, without anyone looking out for you. And Wait, you have one thing. Yeah. Did you go to college? Yeah, yeah I did. I went did? to FIT. That's an important step yeah. because we talk a lot about education and how it doesn't define you and that every woman I've had on this podcast has had a totally different background. And some like left, dropped out in high school, some junior high school, someone all the way, someone to Ivy League. Like, it's just really interesting. I hated it. Right. And like, I, I had a very conservative sort of family Mm -hmm. that just felt like that is what you do in life. Sure. You go to college and it's sort of a non-negotiable. Yep. I wish they could have seen a little bit more of who I, my actual essence of who I was, that that wasn't really the right path for me. I started styling when I was going into my freshman year of college. So I was in school, I was interning on a TV show in New York, and I was working retail full time. You know, for me, I got a liberal arts degree at George Washington, which I loved and learned from and psych major and the whole thing. But like, given the opportunity, I would have chosen a fashion school for sure. For had, sure. I, had I really they, thought about it, you know, they had um, high school classes that I actually took too. So on Saturdays, wow. you could take two three hour courses. And then on the in the summer, it was like a three week course four days a week. And I did that somehow. Wow. I just knew that it was where I was supposed to be. I just didn't. Again, there weren't the like resources to become a stylist sure. at the time. Sure. And no one was talking about it. And no one knew about it. Yeah. So when so I walked onto this set when I was 17 and I was like, wait a minute, this is real. Like you can, <laughs> this is a job, you know, like I had a never been on a, on a TV show or movie right. set or anything. And this stylist, I'll never forget it. Her name was Laura Solon. She's still working mm-hmm. in New York okay. and she, she has like commercial, right? whatever different world. And she was like, okay, runs a Bergdorf's. Here's my Amex hands me her plum card. Remember the plum oh, cards that were so okay. I do. Hands me her plum card. And she's like, go to Bergdorf's and get every pair of beige pants you can find in a size six. And I was like, okay. And she's like, save the receipt, then take a taxi. And I'm like, okay. You know, like first day. And I did. And I was like, I can't leave that this that is this a job, is a job. Yeah. Like what? And then I get to come back to a set and like, sit here and like hang out totally. and like see all this, thing, you know, totally. and you're like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. So that was like my first intro. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is, this is it for me. And then I think that would have been Oh six. Uh-huh. And then you popped up right after, you know, and I think when I first started, the only person that people were really talking about was 
Pat Fields. Yes, you know, Pat Fields. You know, from Sex and the City. The like freaking it was, legend. I know. And then you came along and I was like, LA? What? Yeah. You know, like, what the hell? Wait, that's so funny because like for me, you know, I, I did a freelance job and I had a very similar reaction because I was styling on my own at the magazine making like $5 a day, yeah. like whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And yeah. I worked for this freelance stylist who was at the magazine and she was like, here's, it was literally like $10,000. Go get 20 suits and 10 pairs of denim and what save every receipt. You're going to have to glue it onto a piece of paper and like <laughs> the whole yes. thing. And it's funny because I had a very similar like response, which was like, is this for real? Because, yeah. and in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, it was like in hurricanes, blizzards, like going up, Same. you know, seven floor walk-ups to these like awful studio spaces that weren't even studios. They were disgusting. And like in totally. hindsight, it really helped, I think, shape who you become because, you know, as you know, it's not glamorous most of the time. <laughs> and you, Is it ever? Yeah, really? but, no. Yeah. And I think, I think <laughs> the only glamorous moments are the ones that people see where like your client may like, advocate for you and, you know, do a photo shoot with you on your behalf, right? And that is like a moment and you're like, what just happened? But I didn't really have those moments. But I think, I think to your point, you know, first of all, it's so interesting because I I find that creative people um, very often are misunderstood and they don't know how to really express it. And I think now we're living in a time, thankfully, where there are so many opportunities for creative people, not only to express themselves, but also to be who they are. And I think that in your time, that was probably just beginning. In my time, did not exist at all. You know, the thing I saw in you immediately was how much you loved it and how grateful you were to be doing it and that it clearly was not handed to you. And, you know, very similar to you, I was mean girled most of my life and had to kind of figure out how to get to where I wanted to be somehow by being kind um, and just working my ass off. Right. And I and how <laughs> hard is it to be in a business that is full of mean girls? Yeah, it's true. I mean, let's be honest. No, it's true. You know, and it's, uh, I say it and, all the time. And also, you know, the the part of it, too, that's very hard for me now, and I have to work through, you know, the clients, for instance, let, it, it can trigger that, yes. like, young kid trauma of, like, oh, that client moved on, and it's yeah. hard not to take it personally. Because that was the first were, time you called me. Yeah. It's very traumatizing. You know, it's very, it's, it, I say to my therapist all the time, like, it's crazy to me that I have now manifested a future as an adult. That's basically replaying out my childhood, but now as an adult with a million people watching. Yes. I want to talk about that because the mean girl thing is very important to discuss. And the reason being, and I asked this actually of all the women I have on the podcast, like, hey, have you had haters? Have you had challenges? How did you deal with it? Whatever. And a lot of them really didn't. And there was one woman that I had. Good for them. But, right. And I said, wow, what's that like? And I would look yeah. at Mary, who's always like with me, and I'm like, why did I get so destroyed by women? What is that? And so I obviously never manifested it. I never whatever. But I will say this. I think it forced me to drive my own path and not expect anything from people. 
And I think that if you manage that expectation early, you're so pleasantly surprised when you get supported by amazing women. But I think to your point, as a stylist, and I remember when I became a stylist, my sister said to me, God, you picked a really ironic business for someone yes. that has had such problems with women's support. And, yes. but I will say that's why in this time where everyone's championing women, and I agree that women can do anything, and I agree that women um, are invincible on some level and that we can handle 2,000 things at once, I think that not enough credit goes to those men that sit next to us that support us. I think that for you, styling has been this sort of amazing creative outlet for you where you can live your best life. But I think that you still continue to get hurt when you get let down by people, which is the same. And I and I remember sure. you calling me about a client and how you deal with this and all this stuff. And I, I remember losing my first client and it had a happy ending because she came back. But I, I, I literally, I think, didn't leave my house for like two weeks because I was horrified. I thought I was literally never going to work again. I cried. Yeah. My agent was like, happens all the time. Like, yeah. they're not loyal. They're loyal to hair and makeup, but they're not loyal to stylists because anyone, they think anybody can dress them. But when it comes to their faces, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. okay, okay. But, yeah. but, but I think just watching you forge your path, I'm really watching you living the dream that you manifested. Because also, if I might add, and we can go back to this, I think you were very clear when I met you, which is why I just remember going, God, I love her. You, you were like, hold on. I want to live the fairy tale. Like I, I'm working this hard because I want that life. I want to be in love. I want to be loved. I want to be a mom, like all these things. And I just remember going, okay, so I fully wasn't expecting that from her. <laughs> I really wasn't. I don't know why, but like, I just wasn't. And I think, you know, was there anyone in your life, professionally or personally, that really was that person that like, either you looked up to and didn't know or did know, or a person that you did know really well that said, you are so talented, you have gifts, you're really special, like, or you just kind of went at it yourself and said, I hope I survived this, this insanity. I think I think in the beginning there wasn't a lot of support. Yeah. The stylist that I had worked for, you know, just it wasn't on their radar. I know I went through a lot to get here and I also know how I want to support my assistants as they move on. Uh -huh. Like I'm a big cheerleader for yep. all of that. You know, my last four assistants have gone on to do big shit, so you know, great. and I'm so proud of them and the it's one incredible. I have now who I'm praying never actually leaves. Right. And when she does, <laughs> when she does, I will be her biggest cheerleader. It's really important to me because I feel like I didn't really have that. It's also just a different time. And I think that's really good. I think the industry has changed in hundreds of, of ways, hundreds of ways. But I do want to go back to the assistant thing for a second because I think that's really yeah. important to talk about in this journey of climbing in heels because- you know, you and I have talked about I was an assistant for a long time. I mean, I and I just don't even feel like people do that, like anymore, you know, as long <laughs> no, as I did. I mean, I was between interning and assisting like, nine years. That's insane. You know, like a long time. Wow. And I switched cities. So 
you know, I did it in New York. I was in school. I was working retail. So it's not like I was in it like full time. Right. The economy crashed in 2008. I, I was somehow able to like live off unemployment and take like random styling jobs yep. that I would find on literally Craigslist. Okay. Cause again, no social media. Wow. I'm like Craigslist. Like, wow. You know, I landed an assisting job with Robin Marielle when Aww. they were styling Rihanna. Sweet people. Yeah, the best and learned so much. But then I moved to LA. And so then it was like, that was 11 years ago. So sure. now it's sort of like, okay, now who are all these people and how do I, and where do I fit in? Sure. And then finding my way. So, you know, it was a long road for me. And I see these kids today and I don't know if it's like a generational thing, but I just, I think they think they can do this for like a year and yeah. like learn what they need to learn yeah. and then go out on their own. And, and maybe that works sometimes. Uh -huh. I don't believe in that way, mm -hmm. but I think, I mean, God bless whatever yeah. someone's journey is, but it took me a long time to get here, you know? Well, going back to what you said earlier, I did a job where I like ended up working with Pat Fields. <laughs> that was like <laughs> literally like my assisting. And I just remember like I was terrified of her and she was brilliant. Yeah but like a legend. And I was like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if I, yeah. you know, I think we don't realize the power of social media and the access that that provides for people. And it's very impressive that you assisted totally. for that long, actually. I want to go back to you being an advocate for your assistance, because I think that's an important thing to note. Because I have a, a thing that I always say is that everyone's going to leave someday, right? I and mean, maybe they won't. I mean, I know people that have worked in the same place for 20 years, 25 years, and hopefully they don't. Yeah. I mean, I have people that have worked with me 11 years, 10 years, 12 years, like, great. But the thing is, people need to move, right? And it's not that you leave. It's never that you leave. It's how you leave. And I think totally. that's the most important thing that people could ever learn in any industry. No one expects you to work for them forever, Right. Um, and if you do, that's delusional. But I think at the end of the day, when someone's really talented and they need to make a change, you have to support that, but it's how you do it. And I've had people that have left me come back. They still work with us freelance. They still consult with us. They're still part of our family forever. And then, of course, I have a handful of people that left in the absolute wrong way, and I want them nowhere near my life. There's a lot to learn from that, and I think in people's work journeys, I think that's really important. I think the fact that you advocate for your assistance and they go on to have these incredible careers is such an amazing takeaway for people because I think that's yeah. a huge challenge in any industry. Well, well, I just think it's like they're at the end of the day, it only, it's like if my assistant leave, by the way, my assistant from a million years ago, let me just name them off is Kim Kardashian stylist. Oh, okay. I met her. Then, She's great. I yeah, met her Dan a long time ago. Danielle. She's yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Then there is Morgan, mm -hmm. who's now my best friend who styles Becky G and like a bunch of other girls. Love it. Then there's Alex, who's now styling Kylie Jenner, Travis Scott. I mean, it's like it goes up. Also, I have weird Kardashian karma. They all leave me for Kardashians. I don't know why. And my girls are good girls. And I just think it's like it only reflects on of me. Course. Like they learned everything they needed to learn. Yep. They have great taste yep. that probably, you know, came from themselves, but also for me and yep. watching what I did for yep. so long. And yep. then they're going on to do their own thing. And I just really am a big believer and there's enough work for everyone. Yeah. I also believe that every client ends up with who they're supposed to end up with. Yes. Like if someone leaves me and it's a better fit somewhere else, I'm like, God bless, you know? Also, I've done fittings with people and I'm sure you've had the same experience. 
where one job and I'm like, that was not for me. I don't yeah, need to see that person ever again. Yep. That energy was not, it wasn't a good fit. And like, the longer you do this, I think the more you realize that well, it's so much say. about your, yeah, it's so much about your like energy exchange with someone in the same way that, like you said earlier, like a hundred different stylists can put a dress on you, yep. but it's the vibe between the, the two of you. It's yeah, the magic. A hundred percent. I agree. But I would say that, you know, something we also talk about on climbing in heels is sort of the confidence through experience, right? Because so when I think yeah. of my 20 something self yeah. styling, yeah. I would never turn down a job. I would Same. be verbally abused by whomever work for 36 hours straight <laughs> exactly. and not ask for overtime. Exactly. Or, music or, or water. <laughs> or water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's water. <laughs> or, or air. But I do think through the experience, you know what to walk away from. And you know what doesn't feel right. And you have that, you have that confidence in yourself to be like, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm not working with this person anymore. And you know you're going to work again. Oh, yeah. I have like a nice person only rule now. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like I was tortured enough in my first 10 years, not only assisting, but doing my own thing by certain clients. And I just won't do it anymore. No. You're taking me away from my peace, yeah. from my life, you know, from my fiance, from my future children, from taking a trip. I am not going to sacrifice my peace on behalf of an unhappy client yes. who's obviously unhappy with themselves sure. and it's, it has nothing to do with me. Sure. So I'm just, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Now I did do it. And of as course. you said, I said no to nothing, nothing. ever, nothing, you ever. know, I did every job that came, ever, you know, like just sure. Because every, you thought you'd never work I, again if you said that. no. And listen, I think that's advice I would give anyone though, is like when you are starting, like do everything, yes. do every kind of job, do, you know, like just, Get your get your toe in the water and figure out what feels good and what you like to do and what you don't like to do. Hundred you know? percent agree. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a menswear stylist. You know, truthfully, like I started I no that way and then it got idea. boring. Yeah, yeah. So did I. And I got you know Janelle Monae came into my life because at the time she was still in suits and ties and yep. bow ties and showing zero skin. Yep. And hired me because I knew how to dress men. Yep. And she changed the trajectory of my entire career. But I think also part of that, not just got boring. Love I her. actually think I was just too scared to believe that I could compete in this arena with other women's stylists. Mm -hmm. It was, I was looking up to the, you know, to the generation above me mm -hmm. and thinking, there's just no way that I'm going to fit in there. Sure. You know, sure. and Breaking into the like publicist game, it's never been my thing. <laughs> it's just for whatever reason, they don't call me. Every client I've ever gotten has been on my own. Like you said, have and like you have had to sort of forge my own way. Yeah. You know, all of these big, big clients I've changed my life have come to me directly. To me, it's like make the B or C list or the no name girl look amazing mm -hmm. with limited resources. And that's a good stylist. One thing I think is really important, and it's something that I definitely had to deal with in my career um, very unplanned and unexpectedly and made me incredibly uncomfortable. Do you feel that when you became more well-known, you lost clients? 100%. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting because I think it goes back to a little bit of like when your team moves on or like you felt supported to a point and then it's a little bit like that because... It's sort of like 
your clients love you while you're the stylist. And then if the camera turns on you, whether you ask for it to or not, some will stay because they don't care and they're confident in themselves and that doesn't affect them. Yeah. And some will be like, nope, time to change. And what? And how do you feel about that in terms of, and I ask you this just more on like, because I, I feel like you're at a point in your life where being happy is the number one most important thing for you, being at peace and being happy, right? And so yes. I think clearly there are a ton of clients that are like, Godspeed, Maeve's crushing it. Her brand's crushing it. She's she's so successful within her own brand, but she still loves me and looks after me first, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing that's tricky and no one knows is better than you do. <laughs> like you're, you went in a different direction, right? Like you were like, I need a break. Like I'm burnt out and I see other opportunities maybe that are worth my time in a different way. I mean, I don't, I, I can't answer. I got hurt. I got hurt too much by people that were working with me. How about that? I, I got, I got beaten enough yes. that I was like, I can't do this again. I need a minute. I learned through the process that at the end of the day, the only thing I can rely on is myself. Yes. And so if doing my brand partnerships are something I can rely on, then that's something that I need yeah. to do. Yeah. If starting my own brand is something I can rely on within myself, then that's what I need to do. Yeah. I, we all know that clients come and go, uh -huh. you know, and some are, moments are easier and some are harder. And that's like sort of an internal yeah. journey. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think people's trauma plays a part in that, like how something like might affect me in that way, like for me, right. Like yeah. might be so traumatizing and so painful, but then for the next person and they're like, this is just what happens. What are you talking about? Right. No, it's true. It's so, you know, true. and it's your own exp own past experience of how that affects you. Now, for me, like I, as we've talked about, it's harder for me. I take things harder. So I'm sensitive. Me I'm too. empathic. I'm like, I, you know, and as much as I, of course, support whatever their next chapter is mm -hmm. with whoever that is, because I do, it doesn't change the fact that it's, tr it's triggering to like that little girl in sure. me. That's like, why are you leaving? Sure. You know? Sure. So it's complicated and thank God for a good therapist. Yeah, and, uh, by the way, yeah. But but I have to say, like, I think you're doing it all right. And I think you, thanks. and I think you're going at it exactly as you should. You're thanks. in great hands with Kent because he loves you. You guys are like family. You know, we've talked so much about challenges and, and, and the journey to get here, which was not easy. And I think what I want to know is sort of like, what, is the dream for next, you know, like, what do you yeah. like, because I do think that you manifest things. I think you're a huge manifester. My I, whole life. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. And I think I have to start manifesting. Really? Yeah. Well, my team calls me a witch. I sort of see things before they happen. Well, so same. I have, I have like, it, all of that, but I don't address it. That's the thing. Like, I don't go, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is what I want to happen. Cause then I feel like I'm, I'm going to trip over it. Right. So I think for you, like from where I sit, the dream's happening right for you. But I, I think I want to know, because I'm sure it's pretty clear for you, like, what is the dream professionally? Personally, I think it's already happening. But it's so funny because professionally, I feel like I haven't even like touched what I want to do. You haven't. When I say that there has been challenges of like publicists don't want to use me or whatever, like, I just feel like I have so much 
in me. Mm -hmm. I have so much ability to do what I did with Haley, what I did yeah. with Janelle, yeah. what I, you know, like I help these women express themselves, grow, you know, and I want to continue to do that. Yeah. So it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's like doing the things that really like light my soul on sure. fire. You know, sure. I want to just, I want to go back to one thing that you had sort of touched on earlier. Yeah. And that's like, with my childhood, with being bullied, with never feeling safe, with having to become really tough to protect myself, because every day I was trying to just survive. You bring that into your adult life and you have this like wall, wall right? Mm -hmm. I had a wall that was like, don't fucking touch me. Mm -hmm. You know, like stay away from me. I don't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. Then you add this business. You're just this young, pretty little girl mm -hmm. that's like trying to get jobs and trying to get budgets and doing music videos for $4. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to advocate for yourself other than to be tough, mm -hmm. you know, and be like, no, I won't do that job for, you know, 36 hours. And then, for you, and then you get called difficult. I had sort of like everything working against me in a way of like, really that little sweet part mm -hmm. of myself that was always there just was never really felt safe to come out, sure. you know? Exactly correct. I think that coming up in any career, I think I've met women that don't give one shit what people say or think about them. I always I gave a shit. So bad. I'm, I'm not too. that person. I'm not I'm that not person. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever be that person. And I think that's why I'm somewhat insular because I do have a wall up. I think there is finding when you are a woman who is striving for success and ultimately achieving success, I think you just, I think the biggest learning along the way is to not become a hater, not become a cynic, because that's detrimental to yourself. Then they won. But I do think yeah. it is imperative to keep a little bit of a wall up, a safe wall, and keeping 10 eyes open as to who people really are. And what, because I'm so sadly a pro at that now, I yeah. see the red flags. I see the signs and I know ultimately how something will end before it ends now. But it took me my whole career to figure yeah, I'm that like out. Still, I feel like just in that moment yeah. now yeah. of like, and, you know, mentioning my fiance, it's like, you know, starting a new chapter of mm -hmm. my life, the one that I've wanted for so long, mm -hmm. you know, and I think realizing what really matters yeah. and that is my family, that is my guy, mm -hmm. that is our future children, mm -hmm. you know, and, and keeping it smaller than it was, yes. you know, because that's yes. what matters and that's yep. where my energy needs to be. And like, it's just what it is. And scratching the surface of what is to come. And I think there, I can't wait. It's I think speaking there's a of lot. manifesting. I was, I was like cleaning out <laughs> closets and drawers like into the new year on the break. And I found a list I had written. I'd always believed in writing like a relationship ideals list, or even you could do it for a client, use, use it for anything really. Right. But I had written out everything I wanted in a partner and I found the piece of paper. It was two pieces of paper. I, I read it and I'm looking at Zach and he literally is every single thing. There's not one thing missing. Oh, and I truly like, I slept, it was in my nightstand, you know, it was like next to me for, however long I had been there. And here's this guy, you know, who's got all the things I've ever wanted. And I feel like it took me a really long time to find him, but that was my- Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I always say later is better. The ones that start really early, <laughs> typically forever is not forever. If I could tell my younger self something, that's exactly what I would say. Yes. Because now that I have it, I'm like, well, thank God for all the fun that I had and all the like- <laughs> 
you know, like, cause now this is just what it is, but it always works out. You know, it always works out. I'm so happy for you. And you know, if it means anything, I noticed you, I adore you. I think you're so talented. I think you have your own thing. And I think that you're just starting to make your mark on the world. And most importantly, that you have clearly achieved, you know, inner peace and happiness, because ultimately, everything else follows after that. If you don't have that, nothing really can work. I totally agree with you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, you know, you paved the road for so many, not only stylists, but business women. And I'm just so grateful that we get to know each other that I get I mean, I don't know if I did I ever tell you the story but my friend, we drove past you like 11 years ago, my friend was like, follow her and give her your resume. Did I ever tell you this story? No. I came to LA. It was probably like the height of your show. I don't even think I was living here yet. Oh my God. And you were like my, you know, and my friend and I drove past you on sunset and she was like, just follow her, just follow her. <laughs> and here we are. Was I know? pregnant? Was I don't know. Oh you my were in God, your car. I was dead. in my car. And I, I was just was like, I think it would be like so creepy if I like followed you home or whatever. I'm like, okay, this will, we'll not do that. And look where we I, are. And look where we are. So I say that to say for anyone, you know, out there who's, you know, inspired by any of us, you just really never know, you know, how life turns out. And you really did pave the way for like, we don't just have to be a stylist, you know, like we can do other things. And I think that was kind of hard for me at first to realize, like, you know what it was? It was when people started introducing me as this is Haley's stylist. Right. This is Janelle's stylist. Right. This is rumor stylist. Yep. It's like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Yep. My name is Maeve Riley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, by the way, is hard for me even to say out loud because Mm -hmm. it's about stepping into like who I am. It's not about like, what about who I am? Yeah. You know, like what about me? That, by the way, that was your identity and that was my identity. <laughs> yeah, and not to say that I don't adore being their stylist. Of I love working for them. You know, like it is the it is what gets me up in the morning and inspires me. It is of course. it definitely makes me who I am in some in, in some way. Sure. But what about just like, hey, this is Mae Riley, she's a great stylist. I don't know. By the way, it's so true. And actually, on that note, I will I will finish by saying it kind of shows how peaceful you are within yourself. Because for me, the biggest struggle was in those moments where we would go to something or I would be like pulling the train on the carpet and, you know, a pop or somebody would go, oh, Rachel Zoe, let's, can we talk to you? Can we get a picture? And I'd be like, no. And I would literally like run and I would be like, I'm her stylist. And I would literally leave and like jump in the car and go and and, like drive away because the horror of what would happen the horror of like how that felt. And so I do think in that sense, you're forging that path of people really getting to be who they are and that being someone stylist or a hairstylist or a makeup artist, it's just a part of who they are. It's just a part of who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love it. You know, yeah, it's of like, I never want to stop doing it. Also, can I do these other things as well? Yes. And it has no reflection on you or, you know, anything. And but can I ask you a question? Like, yeah. when did it switch for you? Like, when were you like, you know what? I'm comfortable. Just like, I'm going to stand on this Vanity Fair red carpet and be Rachel though. Never. 
I still, if you, no, no, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you look at pictures of me, I'll send you a picture of me and Carolina Kirkova, the year I styled her for the Met Ball. And it was the most exciting moment in my career because it was my first time as an actual designer dressing a friend slash supermodel in something that I designed from the very first sketch, right? And I remember going onto that carpet. And if you look at the pictures of me, I look like you're taking me to my grave. I am like horrified. I'm nervous. I'm hurling her in front. They're screaming my name. I'm literally like my whole, I'm like sweating down my back. Like to go back to your point, how you go, I'm this girl who was bullied. I'm like that girl that was like a, like a insecure little girl. Like I'm I was always comfortable on the other side, which is why I became a stylist. But I think what ultimately happened is when I took a break from styling and realized that it was in fact my name on the door and we had 100 employees and we had built the Zoe report and I had my show and I had all these deals and I had all these things, it was sort of like, okay, hold on a second. It's my name on that. I'm leading this company. I'm the one that has to show up. I'm the one that's getting paid to do this job or this talk. If I don't show up, we don't get paid, right? And so I think it became this moment for me where it it became part of the job. It was sort of like the strength of my name and the strength of my brand was all I really had, right? Like if, if I didn't keep it strong and I didn't keep out there, it disappeared. There wasn't anyone I could send in in place of me. So yeah. I think that was really it. And I think that I'm still always going to be the girl that's not comfortable on a red carpet. I just still am that girl. I, I get so like Roger laughs at me still because I'm literally like this. I look scared. I'm not that girl that's like, like, like I look at certain people on the carpet. I'm like, God, I really need to get better at this shit. But like, I don't. You know what's but, weird? You know. I'm so comfortable. <laughs> By I'm the like- way, then you're exactly where you're supposed to be. I'm so comfortable in both. You know what I mean? Like I am so comfortable being in my sweatpants, fixing the train, <laughs> minding my damn business. And I'm also so comfortable in full glam in a dress. Like, I don't know. That's I, amazing. It, Honestly, that's amazing because that means you're actually supposed to be doing exactly what you're doing. And I think for me, yeah. I think because coming up as a stylist for so many years, it was being on the other side. And I think that's just where my psychological, I think it's just my mindset, Right. And, yeah. and so I'm grateful and I'm grateful for all the opportunities. I just think it's, that like instinctually yeah. I'm more comfortable on the other side. You are crushing it. And it just shows you, by the way, like full circle, like what's totally. meant to I, be. I love to tell people because you just never know, you, never you know, know what I mean? And and when you're like young and trying to figure it out, I think it's like an inspiring story to hear, you know, and Hundred. that's why I love telling people because I just never would have thought, you know, that little kid that drove past you on sunset would be here. I wish you followed me because that would be even more <laughs> for, full circle and funny, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know. I love you. I'm so happy for you. I love Bye, you. Bye, honey. Have a beautiful okay. day, sweets. It's that time in the show when I answer two listener questions. So let's see what we have today. Okay, so after COVID, I literally hate wearing denim. I'll put on a pair of jeans and then take them off immediately. What should I wear instead of jeans or what brands do you think are comfortable? Okay, so that's a really funny question because I'm not someone that wears a ton of denim, but I just recently 
got two full denim looks that I've been living in. And I think that if you treat your denim not as denim and you actually like get some polished denim, meaning not torn up, not beat up, not like super baggy, but you have like a nice pair of like denim trousers in like a dark clean wash, and then you treat them more like a pair of trousers rather than like I'm throwing on jeans with my sneakers. I love ones from Frame. Most recently, I love my ones from uh, Favorite Daughter. I actually love like dark denim on dark denim. I'm just like so into it. It has like a total 70s vibe. But I think instead of jeans, I would say my go-to in my daily uniform is a pair of black like sort of flared tux pants because I think they can always read dressier than they actually feel. I think you always look expensive. I think throw on a little pair of heels and a sweater and you just like look appropriate you know, wherever you go. So yeah, that would be my favorite alternative. And obviously comfort is key. So make sure you choose a material that's like, feels good wearing for hours on end. What shoes do you wear when you exercise if you don't own sneakers? (laughs) So this is really funny. Um, I don't exercise often, if at all. But when I do, it's more like a yoga type workout or some kind of like mat on the floor workout. So I'm always barefoot. I'm really like not in a shoe. When I'm on a treadmill, um, which I haven't been on since COVID, since the pandemic, I think I put on a pair of like sneakers that someone sent to me that I just found in my closet. But since then, I did get like a great pair of Nikes that I keep as like a slip on to go like walking with my kids and the dog and stuff like that, because it started to really be an issue walking up the hills in LA with like my slides. I was wearing like my Gucci slides to do like long walks in, which I don't recommend, honestly. (laughs) Okay, don't forget to submit your questions for next week's episode. All you have to do is DM us your questions to at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram, and I just might answer your question. Maeve is, she's one of the kindest people I know. I haven't known her very long, but I immediately loved her because she's kind of this seemingly really tough girl that you know clearly has been through it um she's very candid about being sober almost 19 years i think now which is truly incredible because she's so young and you know i always love talking to women that are so candid about their journey and give the raw real goods and bads of the process because i think it's unrealistic to only share the highlights because I think anyone successful has not only had highlights. So thank you so much for listening to Climbing in Heels. This was one of my favorite episodes. And please don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. And I love reading them. While you're at it, follow me on at Rachel Zoe and at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes, and all things Curator. Stay stylish, and I'll talk to you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.